Welcome, welcome, welcome to Beyond. Guest today is Jack Kammer. Jack is a man who who cares a lot about men and people and the natural more than human world, as I would say. He has a podcast called The Men Are Talking and Goodwill Towards Men. He is a man who cares deeply about men's issues and brings his heart and his passion for making sure that men are treated well in the world. It's really a beautiful conversation. And this this is this is a good deep conversation, a meaningful conversation. That with a bow to Jack and his style, I'm going to allow it to speak for itself. So thank you for listening to the Beyond and remember to listen well to listen beyond. Enjoy. Well, welcome, 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 Jack. Uh, Jack, so good to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, just appreciate your effort and energy and getting yourself here. Thank you for the invitation, Morgan. Looking forward to talking with you. Yeah, it was. you made it remarkably easy to reach out and to share some ideas and thoughts. And I uh, just got right back. And so that's, uh, you know, that doesn't always happen. And so there's something that there's a there's a quality of um, humanness, I would say, about that, that I, I appreciate about you. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. I think um, maybe I'll, along with humanness, I mean, I am, you know, I am kind of a human, um, <laughs> but I think we're just on the same wavelength. You know, yeah. we're, we're, we're both in, in our chats back and forth. It became clear that you're all about trying to make life better for men. Yes. And that's what I'm about. And yeah, it sure seems. It, it's yours. Go ahead. Well, and, and, and you're not interested in making life better just for men, for men's sake, but because if you make men happy, the world is a better place for everybody. It sure seems like it. I mean, I, I definitely would say that, that I am, I am very interested in men, in men's work and men's health and men's well-being and also human health and well-being. And I would even extend, and I believe this is true for you as well, to the, to the even more than human world, as I would say it. You know, that, that well, harmony amongst all of us seems important. I, I, my wife and I have three poodles. Nice. There <laughs> and, they are. And they, and they are so much fun. They are That's so fabulous. much fun. And it's just, it's just a joy to, you know, be able to, I don't know, help make them happy. Yeah. Make sure they have fun in their lives, you know. The joyfulness. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, the poodles. It does go beyond that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as you intimated, yes, yeah. Well, I am I am deeply curious. I I have listened to uh, many of your shows and and appreciate what you're putting in the world and have questions. But I'm I'm curious, how did you find your way to the world of men's advocacy, men's work? Like, what is your story? How far back do you want to go? <laughs> well, I I, um, I would say as far back as you would like to. I mean, I'm it's um, certainly um, you know. I'm a bit younger than you are, it seems. And, um, you know, so I, I this is something at what least... What do you mean? We, because are you judging me by my gray hair, by my white hair? <laughs> well, you, you, you shared that you, you know, the, the, the elder folks, the elder folks that you were, that you yeah. were hanging out with. And, uh, yeah. you know, so no, I, I do, I, I would say that I'm probably older than you. You're probably, I don't know, you're, I'm going to make you happy. You're probably about 28. 
28. Yeah, I'm 52. Yeah. I'm I'm a glorious right, 52. Um, you know, yeah, got so I, got a, I, to... I got a few years on you. Well, if you want to go back to the very beginning, and, and I can go back to the beginning before I even knew it was the beginning. Mm. I only knew it was something. I didn't know what, mm-hmm. what it was. I mm. didn't know what the something was. But you know how it's a bad thing to say to little girls, gee, Susie, you're really good at sports for a girl, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we know mm-hmm. it's a bad thing to say, gee, Sally, you're really good at math for a girl, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What I used to hear as a little boy was, gee, Jack, you're really good with babies for a boy. Mm. And I didn't know what was up with that, but I knew I didn't like it. Interesting. And what is that did, when you say you didn't like it? Like, and, and how old were you? I was probably, I don't know, seven, eight, nine. Had my first niece when I was, I think, 15. Uh-huh. Um, and what, like, when I've, you say it didn't, like, it didn't feel right. Like, say more about that. That's interesting. Sort of like somebody was saying, you don't belong here. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. like what little girls feel when they're told they're you know your sports isn't really for you and math isn't really for you. Yeah, yeah. It's I Babies mean, the, really it, I go down you. the road of of that. To me, is that interesting place of there's something alive in you, right? That's I I would probably call it your soul, you know. But like some deep purpose in you that is really sensitive and tender, and I've I've heard that in your in your in your recordings and in your interviews, just that there is a beautiful care that you bring to people and that that feels like it was right there. You know, that, that there was something about you right there that caught that, that is as a seven, eight, nine year old, it's pretty instinctive. I mean, it's pretty amazing that you would be that aware of that. Yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, I think about where I got this set of, I don't know, personality traits that lead me to do what I like to do for my purpose in the world. And I I think both my mother and my father had a lot to do with it. My mm. mother is probably most evident here because she always made me feel like I was A-OK, no matter what. Mm. Some, my, my, I have six siblings, and, and they sort of joke, but, you know, half-jokingly, I think probably, they, you know, they, they thought my, I was my mother's favorite. My mother was always, always supportive and encouraging to me. Uh, my father, um, not nearly as encouraging, but what I got from him was, see something, you say something. You know, if you if you feel something and you believe it, stand up for it. Yeah. And, um, you know, have principles, have integrity. And so, yeah. you know, the idea that I liked babies and i was good with babies and loved babies and had fun with babies uh-huh. Uh-huh. that was a, i liked that about myself and i really didn't like anybody suggesting in any possible way even with a left-handed compliment that you know this really was kind of not really not really for me mm-hmm. and i just knew that was wrong yeah. So and so, where did it now, go from there? Like, where was the, what was well, the next? That that went nowhere because you know, as I was saying earlier, I didn't know it was anything, right? Sure. At the time, yep. Um, but then, 
years later, many years later, I was on a co-ed softball team mm. and um, we would go out on Tuesday evenings after our games and, you know, have beer and drink and dance and have fun. And uh, two weeks in a row, I was sitting at a table talking to f- female, uh, each time it was one female teammate. And each time the female teammate was, I am a pretty good listener. I'm, I'm interested in people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a pretty good listener. And each time the female te- teammate was telling me about uh, her boyfriend, a, a tale of woe about her boyfriend. I don't even mm-hmm. remember what the details were. But both of them ended their stories with some variation of, and so he's a real jerk, don't you think? Mm. And all I could say both times was, you know, maybe, maybe he's a real jerk, but, you know, based on what you're telling me, maybe from his point of view, the way it looks is such and such. And I don't even remember what the such and such was, but it was Uh something, you know, perfectly obvious as a possibility, at least to be considered that what he was thinking and feeling and seeing was not at all jerky. And both Mm -hmm. times, both times, (laughs) the women said, oh, my God, I never thought of that. Huh. And so, um, my girlfriend at the time was also on the team. And I said to her, you know, I think I think I want to maybe start a magazine. Uh, I think I might call it Every Man because um, it just seems like maybe the male point of view is not really very well understood. Maybe it's not mm-hmm. very well articulated. Uh, maybe men are ashamed of who they are. I don't know, but uh, it seems like there's a problem here for happiness between men and women. And so um, maybe I'll start this magazine. Well, my girlfriend said, "Yeah." But printing is expensive. Postage is expensive. Why don't you do a radio show? All right. Electrons are, electrons are cheap. So, right. Good idea. Good idea. I went to a, a university station north of Baltimore and pitched this idea. They said, sounds pretty interesting. This was 1983. Okay. 1983. 1983. 1983. Pretty interesting idea. Let's do it. So from 1983 to 1989, uh, just about every week, I did a show called, well, it was started out as The Lives of Men. Then it was In a Man's Shoes. And for marketing purposes, I tried Men, Sex, and Power. Um, Hmm. But, you know, every week I got to talk to somebody who was interested in what's really going on with men. And we quickly got beyond the idea that it's a man's world. Men don't have any problems. Being a man is nothing but 100% privilege and um, good luck and fortune. And um, it became pretty clear that a lot of important social problems are involved in what's really going on with men. Mm -hmm. And that was especially brought home. When a flyer came across my, I didn't have a desk at this radio station. I, you know, probably had a 
cubby hole, a pigeonhole in the in the mail <laughs> rack. Mailbox, right? Yeah, I think I had a mailbox, a mail slot. <laughs> uh, there was a flyer in my mail slot from um, a fellow named Richard Rowe at the Baltimore Urban League, uh, who was putting on a conference at Morgan University, uh, an HBCU, mm-hmm. um, on the topic that is now not so novel. But back then, it was the first time I had, I had ever heard of it. He was doing a conference on black men and endangered species. Huh. So. And, black men his, and, inda- and endangered species. Black men, species. colon, A-N, and endangered species. Okay. Uh-huh. So um, it's about men. My show is about men. Richard, would you like to do the show? On, we did the yeah. show. We really hit it off. We really hit it off. Richard and, Rowe. Um, huh? Richard, Richard Rowe, Rowe, you said. Yeah. Yep. yep. The Baltimore Urban League. And um, he and I uh, were pretty clear on the fact that a lot of what ails black men is, of course, the problem that they're black. But Certainly. we also agreed that a lot of what ails black men is that they are men. They are male Mm-hmm. So they're having problems because they're in a society in which their blackness is not well regarded or accommodated or understood uh-huh. or valued. And they're also in a society in which their maleness is not valued, supported, accommodated. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got that. And so a double whammy so, of sorts. Yes, exactly. Exactly what we called it. A double whammy. Yep, mm-hmm. a one-two punch. You're no good because you're black, and no you're no good because, because you're, male. you're male. Right. So Richard and I agreed to go down to Annapolis, the state capital of Maryland. We're, mm-hmm. we're in Baltimore. Annapolis is our capital. To see if we could get the state to get smart about the many problems that black men were involved in and say... Um, how about you take a, a smart look at what's going on with, with these, these folks mm-hmm. and see what you can do to help them and support mm-hmm. them and to talk about the biases against them? Well, we didn't get it passed, but we sure made some waves. <laughs> uh-huh. We sure made some waves. At, at first, the uh, Baltimore Sun and the Baltimore News American, it's a defunct paper now, but, you know, they were making jokes. Uh, the legislators... In Annapolis, especially the men, were making mm-hmm. jokes. They they called our proposal the wimp bill. The wimp swear bill. to God. Yes. Uh-huh. The wimp bill. Yep. Um <laughs> meaning meaning, making meaning jokes that, about, you know, to oh, be a, to be gets... a real man to be a real man is like to yeah. be strong and powerful and like not uh, you know, like that that old archetype of like, you know, we're just gonna do what we're gonna just, do. And so any kind of like feeling or any kind of advocacy would just be like the wimp. You know, these were these were male legislators in the 1980s. And, you know, we have serious problems to take care of here. And you Mm want to talk about how these men are feeling about themselves and what their relationships are like. You know, that's kind of silly. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So it's like so it's so it's so it's somehow it's 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 disregarding any kind of tenderness, any kind of what I might call heart or um, care about the world in men as like, we are actually, we have feelings, we have, um, 
you know, we care we about have a, things. We have we have emotional needs. We have emotional needs. We have emotional go. needs. Okay. So, Just like all the other humans. So, yes. So, I think the way I would put it was what was going on with these guys is they were part of the patriarchy. Now, the patriarchy is often regarded as this big monster machine that is out to oppress women mm-hmm. and, and and harm others. children. Yeah. And when I people of color think in the that the, population. The, the purpose the purpose of the patriarchy is to protect women and children. Now, sometimes patriarchy screws up because it only has the male point of view and is uh, patronizing sometimes. But the purpose mm. of the patriarchy is not to oppress women and children. And and I believe that the principal problem with patriarchy, as manifested in uh, Annapolis in 19, we went down there in 85 and 86. Um, the principal problem with patriarchy, as these guys were showing, was that the last thing patriarchal men can talk about is their own problems. Mm-hmm. It's the last thing that mm. they are elected for. It's the last thing they want to do. They want to be good for other people and the hell with other men. And I think some, that there's there's some assumption in there that that being connected to your feelings of of having emotional needs of being a good listener of caring and having heart is somehow not as masculine, meaningful, powerful, something along those lines. Yes, I think that it's also true that these fellas are dealing a lot with budget issues. How much mm-hmm. are we going to spend on this? How much are we going to spend on that? They got people coming to them right and left for programs. This program needs funding. We got to try this idea. We 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 wanted a little bit of money to, you know, get our commission sure. started. Um and so it's a matter of limited resources. And so when there are limited resources, it's the manly thing to go without for the benefit of women and children. I think that's a very big part of it. Hmm. And so if the legislators were making fun of us publicly, but we knew what was going on, especially since some of them privately would say, look, we know what you're talking about. We get this. We understand. We're we're spending bazillions of dollars locking men up. We get this, but we can't touch it because it would make the women mad. That's what they said. Some of them. We Hmm. can't touch this because it would make the women mad. It would make the women mad because they would be spending money on men and men's issues versus versus putting it. Women still have problems. And until we get rid of sexism, it's wrong to divert resources to men since men run the world. You know, that kind of simplistic, nonsensical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I'm curious what, you know, there's, um, yeah, you know, my sense is that, is one way I tell the story or imagine it, you know, the foundation of our country, the Constitution and I recently saw Hamilton. So that's, that's, you know, like I'm not a great student and I'm not a great student of history. And I, and I will appreciate, um, alternative ways of learning like Hamilton, the, the, the musical, which offered a different view into, um, 
into the early time of our of our country. And so, you know, I, I, I listened to the music with my kiddos and we got to know it and got to know the play. And then I got to be a little bit, I started to like um, feel into this a little bit and say like, well, these are some young guys creating our country, right? 18 to 25 or so, um, maybe 30. George Washington was, was older and some of the generals were. But, you know, they, it, it seems clear it seems as though they really did not consider black people, women, anyone other than white men. Like it wasn't even really in there. Like they, they really literally had a blind spot of, of being able to include or be inclusive. Like they just in their being, it doesn't seem like they, that, that, that it was that the, I, you know, I might say the constitution, I will say that the constitution was written for white men and that is the foundation of our country. And that creates an interesting little ripple. Well, huge ripple. I would, I would put it, I, I wouldn't agree with that, Morgan. Okay. Um, it was written by white men to try to make the world better for white men and white women. Now, across gender lines is what I'm talking about. I don't deny that they completely disregarded and disrespected and demeaned and brutalized the the black population. There's no doubt about that. And the native population, yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, generally, and still today, the world is divided into two primary realms, Uh, the male sphere of influence and the female sphere of influence. And we've done a pretty good job opening up the male sphere of influence to women. I don't think we've done nearly as good a job opening up the female sphere of influence to men. Hmm. And back then, these fellows were operating in the male sphere of influence, and so they were supposed to raise an army and take care of the economy and figure out how to move crops around and, you know, open up, um, not railroads, uh, canals and just Mm -hmm. to make things happen. Yeah. Just to make things happen. That was the, that was the expectation of men. Mm -hmm. And, you know, women weren't at that time, especially thinking much about how do we engage men's emotions in the raising of their children and that doesn't mean they were bad. It's just, you know, it was not what men were doing at the time. So I, I think that what the men back in the, back in the day were doing was doing their best to be good for everybody, everybody they cared about. They didn't care about mm-hmm. Native Americans. They didn't care about blacks, yeah. but they did care about white women and they did care about their kids. In, in, that, in their, in, in the way that they were doing it, like that, it, that, it, that they're, you know, that, that, that I mean, we all have their places. expectations, yeah. fulfilling their roles. Sure. In what, in, and, and maybe in a way, I mean, in a way that they, I mean, it seems like they had some blind spots and Definitely. so they were doing what they were doing, what they, at that point really, you know, in their hearts, I think you would say, were, yeah. were really attempting to take care of. Um, their women and and kids and the country and to some extent. Yeah. Now, not all of them were so noble. Some of them were just trying to amass power to themselves. Sure. But, you know, I think I think it's very deeply ingrained in male culture 
yeah. to you know to be selfless to to a, to a pretty large mm. degree, and to try to be good for other people. I mean, if you look if you look today, in, you know, in twenty twenty two. Pause one second. I want, I'm I'm, I'm yeah. curious about the, po- the, the that power that 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 power place. You know, of of. Um, uh, like what is the di- like how what is the distinction between the men who are heart centered who are you know really caring and those who are sort of fall into that power place that you know well I think back in the day back in the in the time of the founding of the of the nation sure. the expectation for men was <laughs> you know you're just supposed to kick butt and take names. And mm-hmm. you, you don't talk about your feelings and you talk about um, building a fortune for your for your wife and your kids and giving them a nice place to live and making sure they have good food on the table. Protect, protect them, protect. Pro- provide and provide and protect. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, just as in all human beings, including women, there is such a thing as greed and the lust for power. And some men were very much motivated by that much more than, you know, the more, um, I don't know, noble aspect of male culture, which is, you know, you try to do your best to take care mm. of, take care of your community, especially mm-hmm. your family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, that seems to be a tension that, it, that, that, that is, that plays out these days, you know, of, of one might argue that a lot of the current day leaders in our country are, are, have fallen into a power groping, you know, that, that there's a, that there's a, the missing of the heart, you know, there's a missing of that kindness and softness and like, yeah, we really do have, you know, the best, the, the best, uh, intentions for folks. Does that, well, I would point out at this point that some of the least empathic people in our government are certain women leaders. Mm. I mean, look, let's let's take some objective measures. Who's in jail more? By huge numbers. Who dies sooner by huge numbers? Who's less likely to have insurance, health insurance by huge numbers? Who's committing suicide by huge numbers? Who's not going to further their education in huge numbers? And, um, you know, those those male legislators are afraid to speak up because they don't want to make the women mad. Hmm. Sad to say, but I think that's a very big part of it. That they don't want to make the women mad, and and um, do you have a sense? I mean, do you do you have a sense that they are connected to the like that they ha- they are actually inhabiting those kinds of thoughts and feelings? You know that they're aware of those. I think that there were probably lots of men in Congress who uh-huh. have been divorced. And have had their hearts ripped out by the Mm. divorce system, Mm -hmm. whose wives, not all of them, not all of them uh, do this, but many wives will turn kids away from their their fathers so that the women can uh, fulfill their need and lust for greed, their lust for power, Mm -hmm. uh, their uh, sense of entitlement. I'm the mother. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of men know that this is a very bad situation for men, but um, they're not doing much about it. Mm-hmm. Not doing not doing much about it at all, mm-hmm. um, because they weren't elected to take care of men. I mean, what's the definition of a man in some people's minds? A person who can take care of himself. Hmm. Hmm. And so and so by needing help, you are therefore disqualified from getting it. Yeah, it's so it it, it um I'm I'm feeling like there is this is I I really appreciate going into this territory, Jack, because it's I'm 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 um noticing uh like if I check in with my heart and I just check in with, with my, you know, just where I am right in the moment that it's, it feels like I am with you in, in, in the place of under, you know, of really feeling the, um, you know, noticing the numbers of men who are in jail committing suicide for sure, wanting men to be more in touch with their heart and bring out that soft, tender side of them. I'm also noticing a desire to have it, a conversation that is, that is, um, you know, that how do we get to a place where we really start to, um, like to me, the whole system is broken, right? That it's not about men or women, that it's more about, you know, it's more about like, how do we bring all like this, this kind of care, this kind of thoughtfulness that you're wanting, that you're trying to pull forth here, you know, of really paying attention to people's like mental well-being and, and internal internal world, and that that seems like we have we have gotten ourselves caught in a system that isn't isn't working very well, and that we need well, to somehow for, bring it, that piece out. It's it's working for men and wif- women differently, and I would say that by many measures, it's working for women better than for men. Um, look, I I am um, not. A brain surgeon. I am not a ballet dancer. I am not a very um, uh, fine artist in in my approach to these issues. I would yeah. like eventually to be able to do pretty work, but right now I feel sort of like uh, I, I'm a I'm in heavy I'm in heavy construction or demolition. Uh, yeah. or excavation. And yeah. I sometimes feel like I am riding around in a bulldozer trying to help build a road through or across or under a mountain. Mm. And so necessarily I have to talk about big, big boulders. Yeah. Yeah. And so, th- and and the big the, the big pieces I see here are two huge power structures. One is the male power structure, uh-huh. which we talk about a lot. Yeah. In my view, much too much, not mm. too much in an absolute sense, but much too much in in relationship to the other power structure that also needs to be talked about. And that would be that that would be the female power structure. Now, sure. Jack, are you saying women have power? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. It's a very different kind of power than the kind that men have typically, but it's very real. 
And it needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be studied. It needs to be analyzed. It needs to be it needs to be shared. Every what bit would, as much as the male power structure needs sure. to be shared. What, what would you say about the place of, of you know, that, that part of what's happened is that our structures, our universities, our education system, our systems of, like, what defines success, et cetera, that what's happened is, is that um, anyone who's not essentially a white man has had to play by the rules of what it is to be a white man. And so that, the, and so that, and so that the, you know, it's kind of like we've, we've, um, that they actually, there's not actually a pure expression of, let's just say the feminine or of, you know, the black community or of any BIPOC community. Cause they're, they're trying to play by the rules that are defined by what we've put in place. Do you know who else has to play by the rules of being a white man? White men. White men. Yes. Yes. Not all of them want to play by those rules. Am I right or wrong? I don't want to. No, I don't want to play with them. No, I don't at all. I don't at all. And that, and that to me, that to me is part of the, like, I feel like I'm a fugitive. I mean, in my own, in my own way of like, I don't like the rules. I think they're, I think they're broken and I think they're destroying things. And I, and like, you just look at the shooting last week and you're just like, Everybody is a victim. I mean, this is not. And so, and so it's worth asking. It's worth asking. It's not going to be an easy answer and it's going to be very complex. Yeah. And it's going to be nuanced, but it's yeah. worth asking who benefits most from what we expect of men? <clears throat> And I would suggest that at least we should acknowledge the possibility that there are multiple ways in which women benefit from our expectations of men. Just as men benefited back in the day from our expectations of women. We need to examine both power structures, both power systems equally and simultaneously because they interact with each other. Yeah. What I, one thing I, 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 so I wanted, I wanted to ask you, Morgan, because I listened to one of your podcasts in which you, um, it was, it was with Hans Hageman. Sure. Yes. And that was a great interview. And Hans, thank you. I love Hans. I had him as a guest. I was nice. He he did he did a great job interviewing you. You did a great job being interviewed. <clears throat> but the question that I wish he would have asked you was, well, Morgan, what did your father want you to be? Mm. Yeah. You prepared? Can you answer that? I can. An- I I can answer that. Um. Um. It's an interesting, it's, it's such an interesting question if I go in there, Jack, because I've been thinking a lot about it these days and I've had some very interesting in my own journey of, um, what I would say is learning of, of looking at my shadow and looking at all my shit and of wanting to really heal my ancestors is the way that I would, is the way that I would say it and is really offer them some way for them to rest and to, and to be peaceful and I was actually in a conversation with my mom this, this weekend about this and talking about my dad. And 
my sen- my dad my dad's story is that he was born into a very wealthy family, the oldest child. His dad was the president of what was Simonized Wax, which was a car wax company. That um, <clears throat> that my dad then founded the Chicago Bulls when in 1968. So he was he was um, very successful, if you will, from all external appearances. And and I was born in 1970, so two years after the Bulls were founded. My sense of my dad was that he um, he didn't like that world. He did not want to be part of that world of president, CEO, president of the Bulls, all the hoity-toity, like, like again, every measure of external success, you could say that he had it, but he didn't want it. Um, and, and my sense is that when I came along, he... Um, sensed or knew or wanted or something for me to be protected from a world that really was hard for him, that he never felt seen. He never felt loved. He never felt accepted. He felt like, again, externally, you would say every measure of success. Internally, he was lonely, mad, um, and just like, and, and I think wanted to protect me from that world. And, um, you know, and didn't, didn't in many ways, but I, you know, I ended up in a bunch of private schools in my life and like got really caught in the whole, like, come on, like, you know, live that life, be successful, you know, like make a lot of money and have the right house and this and that. And like the whole structure that I am a fugitive from that I don't like. So I, I, I didn't ever have that conversation with my dad. He died when I was 18 but I had lots of pillow fights with him and I felt his heart and, and I had a lot of like, you know, goofy, playful moments of just loving him. But I, I, I would, I would be curious how he would answer your question. Yeah. So yeah, that's a little yeah. bit of my story and I'm, and, and it's, it's interesting, you know, and, and the thing that I appreciate Jack about, you and and just like I can hear it in in your interviews and your and what you're bringing here like I really appreciate the bulldozer you know that you are bringing light and shining light on some things that you feel passionate about and you're bringing and there's this and 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 I also feel your heart you know I feel this like this sensitive place in there and these are these are I, I I'm I'm grateful to be talking to you because I sense that there's a part of me that's just like wait a second, like, wait a second. We can't just like, it's not just about men's rights. It's also about all these other people and these other structures and it gets messy. And I feel like we've gotten into some of that messy territory. That's not so convenient. And is like, we got to play around in there. And I noticed myself being wanting to jump on the bulldozer also, (laughs) and also being in a place around like, well, hang on a second though. Um, you know, I'll say it this way, and I'm I'm curious. I, I'll try to frame it in a, in a way of a question. You know, you talked about the movie Bring Her Home, you know, which is about Native American. Um, you know, I listened to that 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 interview of yours, and you know, it's just like it it frames the whole Native American. Um, was it suicide or was it no? It was homicides, homicides, and being missing, and being missing. You know, and yeah. that it's like it's a movie about the thirty five forty percent 
of women who are Native American women who are missing, but not the 60% of the men who are missing. Like the men are at least dismissed. Like, like just like, it's like they don't like, it's like they aren't there, you know? And so, and so you're shining light on that and really saying like, Hey, you know, um, what about the men? You know, like how can, how can someone make a movie about this and totally ignore or pretend that like, like the men aren't an issue. Like that's huge. And one of my reactions was my sense is that that is how a lot of women and, and, and BIPOC people and natives feel about the constitution, you know, or feel about so many things in our culture that, that there is, there is the, the patriarchy, if you will, I would say the distorted patriarchy, not the grounded, maybe present, you know, the, the healthy version of whatever that would be, has them feeling exactly that same way. And so I don't know, I'm like trying to wrestle with how to navigate that. Well, again, I would suggest that it gets really messy when we lump the, the it gets really messy when we use the phrase women and minorities. Yeah. I think we need to separate out the horrible things that um, the dominant society did to mm-hmm. marginalized communities, blacks, Native Americans. You can, we can do LGBTQ if you want. Sure. There are ways in which women are privileged and we don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. The reason we don't want to talk about that is because it weakens women's political case mm. to acknowledge that they, in some ways, benefited from men doing the kinds of things that your father did, not because he was enjoying it. There are advantages to being female. There are advantages to being male. There are no advantages to being black. There are no advantages to being Native American. Mm-hmm. I, there aren't any advantages to, to being LGBTQ. It, 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 it's might be maybe getting a little less oppressive, but yeah. there are advantages to being male. There are advantages to being female and to suggest, and I'm going to mention my friend Fred Hayward here because he first yeah. put this, this image in my head probably, I don't know, 40 years ago. He said, for a middle-class white woman or an upper-middle-class white woman who is the, the daughter of a banker to suggest that she is equally marginalized as the son of a black school janitor is highly, highly, highly distasteful. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what we do. Women and minorities. No. Let's talk about men and women and what's going on between men and women and how they interact and how they take from each other and give to each other and work to establish white society. Mm-hmm. And then put that aside and think about how that unit of males and females mm-hmm. operates to marginalize right other. white males and white males and females exactly then, yes so it's like so and it's we, like the what so so there's a couple different elements of it there's one is just the the healthfulness of 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 part of what we're doing here 
um, and part of what you're doing really strongly is trying to is trying to create a balance and a healthy relationship between let's just say white men and women in the sense of like like we got to clean that up yes. and then once that we as let's just say as we clean that up we also have to clean up the 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 the, the dance between the white and I don't, I'm really uncomfortable with like the white piece because like white is a weird thing because like I, anyway. yeah, but like yeah. but like white skinned people, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, is like is like th- there's that, and then we have to clean up the relationship between that being the dominant culture currently. And I think I'm, yeah, right. Is that did I get that? Does that feel right? That yes, and I think that once men and women get more honest with each other about what's uh-huh. going on. <laughs> between them, Uh it'll become much more clear what we need to do as a unit rather Mm -hmm. than what men have to do, which completely lets women off the hook. Yeah. And doesn't contribute, doesn't contribute to solving the problems in which women are involved because, Mm. because so I, I, I often think of it like this. Um, a Somalian family moves in down the street. Mm-hmm. Do we, would we be terribly, terribly shocked and horrified and surprised to know that a woman says to her husband, these uh, Somalians are moving in down the street and I don't feel safe. I don't think the kids are going to be safe. What are you going to do about it? I mean, is that impossible to think that some woman might be racist? I hope not. I hope not. Mm-hmm. So we need to be honest about how men and women reinforce the, the, the pathologies that are in white, in, in, every, in every culture, in every sure. society, there are pathologies. But the, the ones that are most salient right now that people are calling for the rectification of is what's going on racially, but to, to focus that entire burden on men, white men changing and completely giving women a pass. Mm. It's just not going to work. It's not going to work because one of the things men are trying to do is to keep their wives feeling safe and healthy, safe and happy. Sure. And and, if they get them. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it feels like there's a distinction. I want to come back to that that distinction between between you know um, I don't want to lump all white men together in this in this scenario. Of there are very clearly um, plenty of white men who are what I would call the way I phrase it is um, um, you know really running distorted energy, or they're really not grounded, or they're running you know they're just they're they're not um, sovereign. You know, so that they aren't standing in there in the place that I that, that I feel like you know we've talked about, which is like grounded, heart centered, really are caring and are bringing you know in their imperfect, messy way, um, an, an attempt an attempt to protect and and provide for both self and their people and the larger community. I, you know, maybe you have a little more faith than I do. <laughs> And like, I, I don't, I, I want more of those men to come forth. I think that lives in so many men. 
the, the grounded, healthy part of it. But what I see is so much distortion and so much like unhealthy, power grabbing, like harmful masculine, male masculine presence. Well, I wouldn't call it male masculine presence. I would call it a distortion. I think you used that word, a yeah. distortion of masculinity, a, dis- a distortion of the healthiest male values. Yeah. And at the same time, we need to acknowledge, please, that there is there is pathology in female culture as well. Absolutely. There is such a thing. Yeah. There is such a thing as toxic femininity. Sure. Who talks about it? Nobody. We got to keep mm-hmm. the focus on men. Men mm-hmm. are the problem. Men have to change. Women are perfect. I mean, there was actually a poster carried at the Women's March in 2017, right after Trump was inaugurated. There was actually a poster being carried at that Women's March that said, women are perfect. <laughs> that's not the way to make things better. <laughs> I mean, that's the same, that's right, that same, that same distinction that I just, that I just drew a moment ago, which is to say, like, I mean, that we can't, we can't lump, you know, we can't lump all that, all that together because it's, it's, there are really beautiful, healthy, grounded, present women doing really important work in the world in all kinds of different ways. And there's some that are really distorted as well. And they're caught up in a culture that is really not very healthy. I mean, I think that's, you know, at the foundation of what we're starting to talk about and what we're trying to get at here is to say, like, what we are doing is not working well. Yes. Right? Our systems are broken. Yes. I would make uh, an observation about the really, uh, the fact that there are really healthy women and really healthy men. Yep. And at the, at the same time, there are some really unhealthy women and some really unhealthy men. Yes. Um, the observation I would make is that many of the really unhealthy women are regarded as righteous and um, justified. Really, really unhealthy. Wait, really unhealthy women are? Yes. I, oh, I would suggest I that... That some of the most unhealthy women who are making the most unreasonable demands and making the most unreasonable statements and claiming the most unreasonable share of available societal resources for women are regarded uh-huh. as righteous because uh-huh. they're feminists and mm. and you go, girl, while sure. many men and I'll, I'll say I sometimes feel like this. Um, and, you know, you, maybe you feel like this sometimes. You feel uh, we're I know I'm trying to, to make society better for everybody, but mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm an MRA. Men right. You know, men right advocate. Yeah, I'm a men's rights activist. And and so what do we know about men's rights activists? Well, let's see. They hated their mothers. They have small penises. They can't get laid. Uh, they're uh, just uh, threatened by women's advances. You know, all of this nonsense. Yeah. Right. You know? And so. I have a fun. I have a. F- good. Go, go ahead. Well, I just have, I have a fun episode coming out soon about I, I, I um, about my cock, my balls and my heart is what it is, what I call it. And, uh-huh. and the, and the, the, the thrust of it 
Thank you for that. Um, is is that is <laughs> you want a drum? Should I should I have done that's a drum right, thank roll you. there? <laughs> <laughs> um, is uh, well, one of one of the pieces is just the whole cock size thing is just is such an absurd thing in the world that 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 we yeah. continue to joke about that 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 like the bigger your cock, the better man you are. Right. Just like it, right. it's an absurd distortion that is that is, yeah. I think, massively unhealthy for men. I like just ma- yes. it just it creates such a crazy, distorted, disgusting yeah. thing that, that it's yeah. not about. It. Anyway, we can go down that road. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, that's interesting. The place of, of, you know, and, and, and that place of finding the healthfulness, right. Of finding the, I, I, I appreciate, I, I really hear what you're saying. Is that the, is that, that, that energy that is, you know, um, righteous the righteousness you know that the, the feminists of of really bringing some some energy in that place is is um is seen as is something really positive and i think there's you know we could do the we could do the masculine version of that also right but but i, I appreciate that you, you keep bringing it back to like you know there's there's distortion on a lot of different places and 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 i keep you know and i want to just keep coming from a place of like totally and so we like let's be having a different conversation like let us please find our way to a different conversation where the healthy ones of us are able to meet and are able to, to, to come to the table. If that's, I don't even actually want to come to a table. How about let's go for a walk, you know, or watch a sunset or something. And then we can have a conversation while we do that. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. I I do often think about being in being invited to a table because I, I think of a negotiating table Yeah, where you sit and listen to each other. And you yeah. try to value each other as uh, human beings and you want to hear all different points of view and you value diversity. And, and to me, it's just astounding. It's just astounding how in this age where we try to listen and really respect each other and value diversity and hear everybody's points of view and go for the win-win. It's absolutely astounding to me how thoroughly men have been excluded from that inclusiveness. It's just, it's just, it's, it's a masterful, masterful piece of, of, uh, politics, of political maneuvering and messaging. How, how, uh, and how, yeah, how, you know, we're getting ready to wrap up here and, you know, I'm enjoying the conversation. So I, you know, want to keep going, but let's, let's find a way to wrap. But how do you think, how do you think it is that we lost that connection with our hearts and our, and that care and that? You're talking about men? Yeah. Um, I don't think we ever really lost it. I think what we did was we sort of had a, a tourniquet applied to it. Mm. Um, you know, look, men will cry at sweet movies. They don't want anybody to see them doing that. Well, I, I do, um, but, you know, I mean, I don't want yeah. people to see. I just want to be able to cry and just have it be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we, we we are focused on helping others. Not every man, I know. There's some yeah. real bastards out there. <laughs> but it's it's very deeply ingrained in male culture that we want to be good people and help others. Mm. So how do we determine what, what kind of man that is? Who needs what? Mm. Well, we look to women. Because women are sort of in charge of kids. And boy, we really want to be good to kids because who doesn't love kids? Who doesn't, mm. who doesn't have a soft spot in their heart for making sure kids are happy? Um, you know, we, we, we 
we don't we don't stand in our integrity we don't stand in our confidence to say um yeah that's important and i will do my best to try to take care of that need that our society has but you know i was just on an airplane and the flight attendant said something that was really interesting to me that I've been thinking about a lot. She said, if the, if the oxygen masks come down, that I should put it on myself first. Because if I don't take care of myself, I'm not going to be able to help anybody else. We have the message, men last. Why shouldn't men be less? They're just greedy. They're going to take too much. Mm-hmm. It's it's a horrible distortion. Mm-hmm. Men need some resources, some some semblance of respect and sympathy and support and help and encouragement and appreciation if we're going to be our best at helping our society be what we want it to be. I, yeah, thank you for that, Jack. And, and I just, I, I, I once again want to acknowledge and 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 really in in that sharing that you just brought, that your holding of the beautiful expression of men, of the care, of you know that that I think I I think I've I've that um, allowed me into to 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 just the beautiful holding that you that you bring of of that men are that we are sensitive that we are um lion-hearted that we are caring that we do have all of those pieces of wanting to in the most grounded beautiful way protect and provide both both for ourselves and our people and um and that that's challenging these days and so you are working to to bulldoze and to stand up for and you know and and bring awareness to you know to to help all of those men out there who are wanting to come out to play in a different way who are maybe scared or hidden or unsure of how to do it or caught in the bullshit of the culture or whatever it is that's keeping us from really bringing our hearts forward that that's what you're trying to get out of the way we're we're wasting a very valuable resource in the way we are talking about thinking about making policies about investigating criticizing ridiculing mm-hmm. we're wasting a very valuable resource in the way we treat men and the men of the future who are looking around and saying, wow, is that what's in store for me? Why bother? No doubt. I, I, I feel strongly about the young folks who are the young men who I work a lot with and who are looking out and trying to find adult men who are visibly bringing what, what, you're, what, you're, what we are talking about here, which is grounded, powerful, caring presence that is generative and not destructive. And, um, and boy, I, you know, um, thank you for your, for your, for your care and your advocacy in that way. Cause it's important that they find that if they don't, they're going to keep suiciding and 
And I, I got to say, like, I'm left with this kind of image of I, I caught I when I caught that moment of like coming to the table of like, I, I actually I'm intrigued about what would happen if we didn't actually come to the table where we have to negotiate and navigate and like do all that kind of stuff. But we actually find our way to a, you know, a picnic or a, you know, a playground. And we, and we had, and we, and we do that, do we do the work there? Like that seems like maybe there is something there. So. Well, I like that image of, of, of going for a walk. Um, We might need to have a conversation though, a negotiation. If somebody wants to walk in a desert, another person wants to walk, you know, up a mountain. You know, how do we how do we how do we navigate our disagreements? How do we navigate uh, our different points of view by by, through some humility uh, by which we say, okay, well, let's let's uh, go with your way now. And and next Mm -hmm. time we'll do it my way. Let's see how that works. And that can be done for everything from, uh, you know, where do we send the kids to school to uh, um what approach should we take to um, maybe do uh, we send the kids to school or do we yeah, enroll yeah. them in, you know, soccer? How do we make it so that we don't have our kids feeling like they are, you know, the girls like, oh, you're a good athlete for a girl or, oh, you yeah. really like being with, you know, you're a very sweet, sensitive for a boy, you know, like how do we get past those? And I agree with you that I, my sense is that what we have to learn how to do, huge advocate for exactly that, for going on the walk and being in the discomfort and the nuance and the complexity and the sensitivity of all of those places that we sit in those uncomfortable negotiations, navigations, communications, connections, and do so with our hearts and our vulnerability. And that is where things unravel in the most beautiful way. And there's the kind of connection we actually are craving and wanting. That sounds good. That sounds good. Something makes me want to say something about the idea of vulnerabilities. And I know that it's I know that being being willing to be open about our vulnerabilities as men is very healthy and helpful. But something about it just seems like it's slightly missing the bullseye. Hmm. And what men, I think, most need to acknowledge about our vulnerabilities yes. is our fear. Is we need to acknowledge in conversations with women, in disagreements with women, we need to acknowledge that we're afraid we're going to get our asses kicked because women are so much better at verbal argumentation than we are. And so rather than encourage men to be vulnerable you know, to risk getting their asses kicked. I think it might be more helpful to say to men, look, you're going to get your ass kicked, but at least, (laughs) at at least, at least you didn't run from the fight. Mm. You said to her, you might not like me saying this, but let me tell you how this looks to me. Yeah. You know, that's, that's vulnerable, but that's vulnerable with strength yeah, you mm. can, you can you can kick my ass if you want. I know you can you can um, ridicule me and shame me. I get that, but um, I need to tell you what this looks like to me. And right now, this does not look fair to me. Mm. And I don't need you to agree with that, but I would love to have a conversation with you about that. 
That's the kind of vulnerability I think most that, that men most need now, not just to open up ourselves to be, you know, murdered, but to right. say, I'm stepping into the ring, even though I know I'm going to get my ass kicked. <laughs> because I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to get stronger here, and I am eventually going to learn mm-hmm. how to engage you in a way that you have to respect. Yeah, and we, and and we, and we got to go in there in order to learn, and it's vulnerable, yeah. right? I mean, it's scary and it's, it's hard. Scary. But I, I, yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate that, Jack. That's it's interesting. I'm sitting here thinking. I, I think, I think that might be a whole other conversation that I would love to dive into with you because I. I in one of your podcasts I was listening to, you were talking a lot about relationships and, and how we navigate um, with our partners. And um, I know for me, there's a lot of juicy material in there. I'm just, as you're sharing that, what I reflect on is that I have been able to cultivate many, many meaningful relationships with men. And, and I, I, I've learned how to be vulnerable. I've learned how to be strong. I've learned how to um, be safe in the difficulty when it comes to women, it may like this whole other thing enters for me of like, <laughs> yeah. wow, I, it, like I've gotten pretty good at it, but it is, it is wildly different. And so I, 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 that's a provoking thought of going like, oh, that's, it is different. Yeah. Um, so I, I appreciate that. And, and, um, and, and we can then stand together. I mean, I think that ultimately again is where we're yeah. headed for is connection. Yes. I mean, who doesn't want to be in connection with people that they respect? Women want to respect men. They don't like the fact that we run from fights. They don't love that we won't stand up for our point of view. Right. Um, you know, they. I think it was Robert Bly who's, was it Robert Bly or Sam, I forget his name, um, Women long for men who can fight well, Mm. can fight well. And fighting well means honestly, fairly, lovingly, Mm -hmm. and with integrity. And we're not, we're not, we're not doing that. We've been shamed. We've been shamed so thoroughly uh, and beaten around our head and shoulders so much uh, Mm -hmm. that we're not, we're not real good at, um, standing up for what we think, believe and feel and, and need. So yeah. there you go. Well, I think I would say thank you for that. And I, th- I would say we're getting better at it. And, yeah. and that, that it's not something that I think we're both here to say, let's not do it alone. Um, yeah. We have our own personal work to do, you know, in terms of getting strong enough to be willing to sp- speak it and bring it and be with one another and say, Hey, look, I, this is challenging for me. Like I'm not very good at this. And and I, I can be seen by you and still cared for. And when we do yes. that, then, then, I mean, that's called friendship. And, yes. and, then, and then we go from there and we can then create some real interesting relationships, connections, both with partners and kids and friends and parents and, you know, everyone and siblings and the bigger world. And so it seems like that's where we're, where we're headed. Sounds good to me. My friend, thank you. Good to, good, to, good to get to know you and to dive into these places. And, and once again, thank you for your heart and your time. And, and let's, uh, let's, keep, let's, keep, let's keep exploring. Very good. Thank you, Morgan. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Jack. Take care. Well, a big thank you to Jack and the energy he brings to the world in his unique, beautiful way, in his unique way that is 
you know, that we each do. So here are my takeaways from this episode. Number one, nuanced connection with complexity is meaningful. It is fun. It is significant. Number two, disagreement inside connection feels real and raw and juicy and important. Number three, our stories, our stories about how we get to where we are matter. That our unique journey, our unique perspective, our unique experiences, our unique moments is so, are so, so, so significant. And it's important that we listen and we hear and we bring our unique perspective. And we do so with our hearts full and our wholeness present. Number four, treating people well, making things safe for them matters. It makes a difference. Number five, being a white-skinned man is challenging and beautiful and nuanced. Number six, thank you for being willing to be provoked, for having reactions, for having ideas, for having your own experience of all of this. It matters and it is important. Thank you. So thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond with Jack Kammer, beautiful guest. Thank you, Jack, where we continue to work our way towards our own self-discovery and awareness, where we are very interested in you having, where I am interested in you having a meaningful experience, you being listening well. And so please do leave a comment or an email you can do so at beyond at morganrich.com or in the comment section of wherever you are listening. Thank you. I hope and I'm so curious how this lands for you. What questions you have? What else would be meaningful for us to consider? I'm wishing you a day filled with curiosity and feeling connected to your beautiful heart. Just in case you don't know, Beyond Podcasts are released on Mondays and Wednesdays, so do please give a listen. And until next time, remember to listen beyond.